1: Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media.
0: Say hi, Lola. Hey,
1: everyone. This is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you, and the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Better Call Paul where we get into the legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood. I'm your co-host, Paul Sarker, former Marvel lawyer, current big law
0: media attorney. And I'm your co-host, Mesh Lakani, pop culture enthusiast. And that's kind of it. That's all I am. So, Paul, we've got a good one this week. This week, we are talking about Doctor Strange and the possibilities with all the new characters that we might see in this and how that works with IP. We're going to get into that and can't wait to dive in because this is going to be a really interesting one. But let's kick it off with some quick updates. Where do you want to start? Johnny Depp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you know, first of all, I, I got to say shout out to Medusa. I saw them last night down out in Brooklyn and it's my first show in a while and it was so great. And just they're awesome. So hopefully, you know, they keep playing more shows. But yes. Medusa's a DJ? It's a trio of DJ slash producers from Italy. And I mean, they're just like dominating the house music seen past couple of years, I guess since 2019. And I was supposed to actually see them in LA on New Year's Eve, but one of them got COVID. So they had to postpone the show and then we ended up not going.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah.
1: But they're great. They're awesome.
0: Yeah. One of these days I'm going to have to join you for this Brooklyn Mirage thing. I, I, I don't know if I can handle it for an extended period of time. I think the last DJ I saw was one of the European ones from like when it was cool in the early aughts or like late aughts. Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Well, I forgot. We'll have to That's do to it. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good
1: shows coming up this month, next month. I'm, we'll, we'll do it for sure. All
0: right, awesome. Well, let's kick it off with little Johnny Depp update. Look, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial has become this incredible like piece of content and streaming for the whole world to see. I mean, this is all over the news constantly. They're live streaming it on news stations, TikTok, Instagram, memes, everything. Like this, to me, is Johnny Depp's big comeback.
1: It's crazy, right? I mean, when she wrote that op-ed in 2018, she probably wasn't anticipating a defamation lawsuit. Amber Heard, that is. But you know, last week I said that neither one of them was a winner, right? In this case, no, because of the, the dirty laundry is being aired. But I guess I I may have spoken too soon because Johnny Depp seems like he's reminding everyone why they loved him as an actor in the first place, right? He's yeah. charming. He's he's yeah thinks quickly on his feet. He can just he's emotive. He can convey so many different emotions and feelings just with his face and his mannerisms that he's captured our hearts and minds again.
0: It's really interesting to see that, I mean, obviously he said that, you know, even if he wins this case, like he's lost everything. But as fans, I think we can see, like to your point, I mean, the guy is so witty. His comebacks are so funny to Amber Heard's lawyers who honestly – I would say if the biggest losers are, like, I feel bad for them because there's so much fun being poked at them and trolling being done on them on TikTok to the point where, like, it's Depp's snarky responses to them or he's making fun of the questions he asked. At one point, Amber Heard's lawyer asked Depp a question and then objected to his own question, and then the judge said, but you asked the question. And it's almost like they're, it's like, a. (laughs) don't know what's going on here.
1: You don't object to yourself. That's, that's not.
0: (laughs) It honestly reminds me. I don't know if you remember the movie Sleepers back in the day, Jason Patrick, Brad Pitt, Robert De Niro. But in the movie, they essentially, to win this trial, they figure out a way to hire a really, really terrible lawyer to represent the other side so that that person would like on purpose lose. Oh, wow. Or it would be so bad. Look, the movie is super depressing. Excellent movie, I haven't seen it, but it reminds me of that. Look, this is Depp's, Depp is winning the crowd back, and I think that if I was a studio right now, I'd be thinking about, given that, obviously, like some other franchises that he's left, there's an opportunity for someone to come in and be like, hey, we want to build an entire new career around, you know, this whole thing that the world loves Johnny Depp again.
1: That would be really cool. I mean, it'd be certainly a pivot, right? Like from, you know, to use this case and the public trial to sort of resurrect his career. But it would be an interesting thing to see. I did read that she said after her divorce settlement where she got the $7 million payment that she would donate that all to charity. I did read that, that the ACLU said that they hadn't received the full amount. I think they said they only got half a million from her. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's a shame.
0: Yeah, it's a shame. And so we'll see how this plays out. I mean, it might be one of those things where it's a weekly update until this thing is over, if there's anything entertaining that happens in it. Well,
1: I just wanted, because we were talking about defamation last week, in another instance of this, Jerry West sent a threatening letter to HBO Max saying that he was defamed in their dramatization series Winning Time about the Lakers dynasty. And HBO responded this week, as we thought they might, saying that they did copious amounts of research, extensive research, interviewed a lot of people and that they feel that their portrayal was based in fact. And so they don't think he has a case. We'll see. I guess, <laughs> Jerry, this may be a, a case where Jerry West thinks he's a great guy. Yeah, But maybe yeah. <laughs> other people didn't. But it's really, hopefully, he said he would actually take it to the Supreme Court. I, I don't know.
0: I mean, he, it seems like HBO is prepared for that one.
1: They do a lot of research. I mean, they're, yeah. they're not... Some fly-by-night studio that's kind of just like going to take risk in this regard. I mean, that's to say that exactly. I don't know who has a claim or if they have a claim or don't have a claim, but I just know how careful they were with succession and tend to be. You would think that they wouldn't do this lightly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got to imagine that any studio, especially Max, which has just been killing it, Recently on Twitter someone asked a question which is your favorite streaming service when it comes to content and they gave like a few options and the majority of people had HBO Max as their number one. And the thread went viral and and I think it's it goes to show that they make not only great shows but if they're going to make a great show they're going to put a ton of work into it and make sure that they've covered all bases, you know, I guess this proves that to be the case depending on let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens, but it, yeah, at least they've said you know, hey, we're not going to be intimidated. And they could have issued a retraction, but they didn't. They just said, you know, we did our research, so.
0: (laughs) All right, man, well, let's take a quick break and let's get back with our main topic. Okay, Paul, this is a big week coming up. We've got one of the biggest MCU movies to come out, Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Madness. Everyone's been waiting for this movie. It sets up a lot of potential IP crossovers, new characters that are going to be introduced. I mean, this this is going to be an important movie for the MCU. But obviously, like before we get into why it's such a big deal... Let's talk about the news that are coming around Doctor Strange 2 right now, which is pre-sale beat everyone already for this year, which is obviously we're still early in this year, but it beat the Batman. It beat some of the other movies like pre-sales have been doing really, really well. I've already bought four tickets for this, two tickets for two different shows, depending on where I want to watch it in New York. I got one in Brooklyn. I got one in Union Square. My buddy and I are going to figure out which one might be the better crowd, but I couldn't buy tickets. For Saturday show for the IMAX and any of the big IMAXs, they were all sold out. So clearly a lot of people are anticipating this movie. Even, even international releases, it's getting a lot of buzz. I mean, Saudi Arabia is banning this movie because think, uh, of LGBTQ well, LGBT, yeah. representation. Yeah. So a lot of news. But let's go back and understand why Doctor Strange 2 is so important from the mm-hmm. standpoint of having multiple crossovers. And what did Disney do to achieve this?
1: I think the headline is that this is the first Marvel sort of Kevin Feige and his creative trust produced movie. They're able to integrate X-Men characters sort of freely. And I, I think that there's a whole backstory there, which we'll get into. But I think that's the significance of it from a fan perspective. And I know this is a legal podcast, but first and foremost, you know, we're both fans of Marvel and of the genre. And so I think this is particularly interesting to me because you know growing up uh, a marvel fan it was that x-men cartoon show in the early mid 90s that really got me you know i was growing i was probably like eight or nine years old when it came out and then you know you watch it as you get older and then that led to movies in the 2000s and and personally you know i applied to marvel as an intern when i was in law school just because right after iron man 2 came out and they just happened to have an opening and they liked me i liked them and i started working there and i ended up working there for six years and i turned down other offers to work at law firms. And I went to Marvel and then Marvel got bought by Disney. So a big part of my career was just being a fan of the content. Yeah. And so the thing about Marvel, you know, everyone in recent memory, it's just been so dominant right, as a studio, but it wasn't always that way. And in the late nineties, Marvel was actually bankrupt. So they were pressed for cash. I mean, Marvel was always a successful comic company, but it was run by a sort of corporate raider who really leveraged the company in the nineties and got into a lot of businesses that weren't cash flowing and took on a ton of debt. So it went into bankruptcy and it was sort of the winning bid in bankruptcy was from a guy who had an action figure company, Toy Biz. And he was the current probably controlling person of Marvel, Isaac Prometer. I mean, he sold it to Disney, but he bought the company and ran it for 10 years, stripped it down to it's like most profitable, barest essence as a licensing company that made comics. And, after 10 years, he sold it to Disney for like a 25 X return or something crazy. It's like one of the best business cases. I'm sure they talk about it at business school, Harvard business school, because his turnaround was just incredible. But one of the things they did in the late nineties was they licensed out the film rights to their most popular characters because they weren't a movie company. Right. And movies historically, you know, like restaurants, they're just not great investments. It's hard to know which one's going to succeed. And it's kind of like a passion play. So movies they're doing amazingly well with movies now but at the time in the 90s and the 2000s movies were speculative and they were in a movie studio so they licensed out families of characters like x-men spider-man fantastic i mean the list really goes on and on just to name a few they had yeah name them out like punisher blade fantastic four iron man at one point ghost rider daredevil electra captain america black panther Luke Cage, Men in Black. They even actually had Transformers.
0: I didn't know Men in Black was Marvel.
1: Yeah, Men in Black was Marvel. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and Transformers.
0: Transformers too? Transformers
1: was a Marvel comic in the 80s, and they licensed the film rights to Hasbro as part of the
0: deal to make action figures. Oh my God, I thought it was the opposite. I thought Hasbro made an action figure, and then they decided to make this cartoon out of it. I think
1: it's disputed, but it it actually the first appearance of the Transformers, I think it was actually a Japanese cartoon but no um, way yeah it was a marvel comic in the 80s
0: that's actually pretty sick
1: yeah i mean imagine if marvel if had MCU? all of its IP, yeah transformers
0: in <laughs> the mcu oh my god <laughs> if marvel was able to do the because i mean come on man i mean love michael bay but after that first one i was like uh where is this where is this series going and then it just got worse and worse although bumblebee was decent but i did not know that that transformers was marvel That's pretty
1: cool. I mean, just imagine, right? Like the amount of value that they have now, right? If they kept all their IP and were making movies. So this is kind of an an emblematic of that. So let's just bring it back to the X-Men. Yeah. So the X-Men was licensed to Fox basically in perpetuity, as long as they made movies every couple of years. And in hindsight, you know, that's why people have lawyers. It's not that Marvel didn't have lawyers, but like there's some things in that license that you wouldn't agree to now that there's no way Marvel would agree to now. And so basically Marvel wasn't allowed to use any of the X-Men family of characters in film. Those were exclusive to Fox. But Marvel retained things like merchandise and comic rights. Mm. So it's not like the X-Men characters were no longer in the Marvel lexicon or world. It's just that they didn't control the film rights. And if you don't control the film rights, the most profitable, biggest dollar segment. And you want to be able to tell a cohesive story in your comics and in your films, right?
0: But let me ask you a question. If Fox releases an X-Men movie and then there's X-Men merchandise, does that mean Marvel gets some type of royalty from that?
1: It's actually the other way around. Marvel would control the merchandise rights. I see. And Fox would get some sort of percentage.
0: Ah, interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: But if Marvel introduces a new X-Men in the comics, then he's automatically, whoever that character is, is automatically included in Fox's rights on the films. That character within the family. And that's the thing. It's tricky because it was done in terms of families. And as we'll get into, some people wonder, well, why are Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Avengers 2? Because aren't they Magneto's kids? And they yeah, are, yeah, yeah. but they're also Avengers. So, you know, M- Marvel took the position that, hey, these are Avengers. They're not in the X-Men family. And then obviously X-Men's like, well, no, they're Magneto's kids. How could they, they not be X-Men? So they were kind <laughs> Hold of on. So split.
0: I can't imagine when making these agreements, are lawyers sitting there being like, okay, So these are the, like, are they asking the creators and like, these are kids, these are, you know, these are families and this is part of the agreement. Like, it just sounds so crazy to me that they're like, well, no, they're like, now lawyers are arguing amongst each other, like who are family members and who are not like, did that have to be really, really fine tuned, like tracked in the agreement?
1: So like a big part of my job when I was there, not to get into the sort of secret sauce, was to answer questions about like which characters (laughs) could, could be used and which characters were like off limits and we're otherwise restricted but you know these agreements were not sophisticated the way they are now right like you know I, we're always evolving adapting so like you know i look at the, the agreements i negotiate now are like 60 70 pages if it's a distribution agreement or a license are very complicated and they go into all these sorts of different grants of rights emerging technologies television ott authenticated access mobile access all these different things advertising and and the agreements 20, 30 years ago were like six seven pages long. It was like, hey, you got these characters or this family and you have worldwide exclusive film rights, and that's like the end of it, right? And, yeah. and it goes into like audit and, and when the release payments were made and bonuses and stuff like that. So it's not like it wasn't a full deal, it's a deal, but they were just high level and they weren't dealing with things like digital rights or even the way we define profits and things like that has just gotten so much more complicated over time. So you're judging agreements that were done 30 years ago or more. And like, yeah, they look kind of outdated now. But at the time, I don't know if they were state of the art, but that was just, you know, the deals that got done. And now the dollars are too big for someone to renegotiate it. Right, right. So what ended up happening, which is what we'll get into is that in order to sort of rectify this, Bob Iger had to buy Fox. And so in 2019, Disney was part of a, there was an auction. So Rupert Murdoch had Fox, 20th Century Fox. He decided to sell a lot of that. He kept certain things like Fox News and his broadcast stations and a couple other networks. But he sold the majority of 20th Century Fox. And there was actually two leading bidders, Comcast and Disney. And Disney ultimately had the winning bid. I think it was like $70 billion and they ended up having to divest some some assets for antitrust reasons, so they may have ended up paying like fifty billion overall. But the primary motivating factor, I believe, although I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, was to get content to build out Disney Plus, so that right. Disney Plus yeah. was like a fulsome offering because they had the family stuff. They
0: had well, it's like the Simpsons and all that is also included in that,
1: right? The Simpsons, Nat Geo, FX, all of that things like Free Guy, right? X Men, all of that IP. Can now go into Disney Plus because of that deal Ooh, and the,
0: Avatar. The and M- oh my god! So I didn't know. I thought so. Avatar wasn't Disney. Avatar was Fox. Avatar
1: was Fox, and so it's weird, right? Oh because
0: god. this deal
1: happens in twenty closes in twenty nineteen. I guess it was announced in twenty eighteen, and then in, they have to scrap what they're doing in the theme parks because they got to build an Avatar ride, right? Because <laughs> like for the long. Well, actually, I think Fox controlled Avatar, but they were working with Disney on doing a theme park ride. So that may have predated the deal, but now Disney owns it all, so it's simpler.
0: Wow. I mean, when you think about it, like, I mean, the potential for Disney and the content that can be created right now, I mean, the Avatar thing is interesting because Avatar 2 is, you know, it's soon to be released. The trailer is going to be actually released on the Doctor Strange movie, which is like I did. And for some reason, I was like, oh, Disney's releasing a Disney movie on Disney, another Disney movie. It didn't occur to me. I just was like, oh, I guess Avatar's a Disney movie. Which is interesting because I didn't realize that Disney didn't ever not own Avatar, but we don't need to get into Avatar right now. Let's continue with the whole, like, they got basically this insane package of content that included X-Men.
1: Right. So think about, like, the creative team at Marvel. They are meticulous. They're forward-thinking. They're planning out years in advance. I don't know that they thought that they were going to have the ability to use X-Men characters in their films, right? Because at that time, it was basically like they're with Fox for forever, and we can't, like, build them into scripts. We can't creatively control them because we don't know that we'll have the right to do that. So it takes a couple years to integrate that in. So the deal closes in 2019. Most of the films, you know, Black Widow, Eternals, and Shang-Chi, they were already sort of in development, in right. process. right when that deal closed. So it's not like you could just rework them to throw in X-Men characters. And it would have to fit within the sort of realm of the comics.
0: And the story of the movies and what they're trying to achieve as well.
1: Yeah. So it's not only the timing, but also like the arc of the characters within the comics, because it's grounded in the comics. So, you know, Doctor Strange and really what Spider-Man sort of was a launching pattern, you know, when you get into the multiverses, you allows you to sort of reboot things, right? Because, Professor X died in Logan. And that's, that's right. Fox that's right. That's Fox control. And I remember being really sad. Like So did Wolverine. Wolverine died. Yeah. And so I don't know if, I think there's rumors that Wolverine might be back in this, but in the trailer, you can see you can't see
0: Charles he sounds like Charles. Yeah, e. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Charles it's it's Patrick, uh, Stewart. Patrick Stewart's voice. Yeah. But the other thing is that like the MCU has been setting this up with what Loki did which was like the introduction of variants and the multiverse. And so it could be, well, yes, this character died in this movie, but this is a different variant from a different universe of that character. I, I guess we'll find out.
1: Right, exactly. So like creatively, and I, listen, I, I, I'm not a creative executive. I, I would love to be, but I don't know how they decide, you know, which storylines from Fox X-Men movies to sort of keep, if they want to keep any of it, if they want to just start over from scratch. So I think it'll be really interesting from a fan perspective, but the idea that, you know, the characters that we grew up as sort of like the A-team of characters, like the X-Men basically coming back in, like Doctor Strange 2 is not a reboot of X-Men, but it's going to be the bridge that's sort of like the entryway yeah. for Charles Xavier and maybe others. And, yeah, yeah. and that's what's so exciting from my perspective.
0: Well, I mean, it's amazing. Like, you know. Both of us grew up around the same – we were probably around the same age when the X-Men, and the animated Man series came out. Like, that music is iconic. One of da, the na, best – in- yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in Pakistan, so I would come to the U.S. and I would like w- – I couldn't wait to watch X-Men – and I still put it on from time to time on Disney Plus, and I know that they're. You know, we've talked about this before. They're bringing that back to Disney Plus. Yeah, they're bringing back that animated series that continues from where it left off. It's going to be interesting to see how the film versions go of X Men, given the ending of the X Men franchises recently. Besides Logan, was just, I mean, my personal opinion, they're pretty terrible movies. They weren't great. Fans didn't have the best. Experience with them, or you know, they, it just they weren't rated well. They probably did decently in the box office, but I think the premise of bringing back these characters that we loved, especially like with Patrick Stewart coming back, and then also it's not only just the X Men. There's rumors of the Fantastic Four being introduced in this, with Mister Fantastic being part of the Illuminati. I'm trying not to watch too many of the new trailers because I want to go in there with like some surprise. Short
1: of Optimus Prime showing up, I mean, there's really like limitless potential now, <laughs> and I think that's so cool. <laughs> But the, yeah, like and the, the funny thing is, so I'm at Marvel. I leave right when Avengers 2 is coming out. Cap Winter
0: Soldier is in pre-production. Ooh, dude, the best one, too. I actually like Winter Soldier more. Oh, um, wait, I thought I said Winter Soldier was the I best said civ- one. You Civil War at was Civil in pre-production. War. Oh, Winter yeah, yeah. Soldier, Winter Soldier. was the best one.
1: Yeah, and so I had no idea. I know, if you told me what are the odds that the X-Men are going to end up back in the MCU, I would have said zero yeah. right? Because really? like, why would... Why would Fox give up such a enormous property? Maybe you – I didn't know that there was a check that could be big enough, right? Right. And, and Marvel's of the view, like, they're not going to pay to get these characters back. That's something that Bob Iger had to do because Marvel's, like, very frugal. And they're like, no, we'll just – we'll keep rolling without them, right? Yeah, That's yeah, their yeah, man- yeah. mindset. But yeah. it makes sense from Disney's perspective. But it could have gone to Comcast. It very could have easily – like, that, that basket of IP and those channels Oof. and networks – Comcast was actually a leading bidder, and so it really is kind of fortuitous for us as fans. And this just goes to show that these deals can have like huge implications.
0: Yeah, yes, it's like huge cultural implications for like us as fans to be able to finally get the stuff that we deserve and what we want. I mean, if Comcast controlled X Men. Maybe they could have done something with it, but my bet would have been we would have just seen like, hey, let's just throw these movies out because we can make money out of them versus the way Marvel and Kevin Feige have thought about things that they really, really give a shit about the stories. They really, really give a shit about the longevity of these characters and how they fit with each other and the patience they've had. I mean, you've told me the planning that goes into, I mean, Kevin Feige is looking at things like a decade out. I've got to imagine.
1: I heard stories, I don't remember exactly the details, but like I've heard, you know, people from who are in the, the inner, inner circle say that he's got like 25 films planned out. Really? Right? Like, in like different flow charts and arcs and things cuz he's got to so think sick. that far in advance. Yeah. And it's only because of his enormous success and like how cerebral he is about it that it's able to continue. But no studio is going to give someone you know the twenty-five picture budget, right? Like that's so. That's why most people are thinking, like, okay, hopefully I can get a sequel, or hopefully I can get a. If this movie's great, then I'll do a sequel, and maybe I, there's a, there'd be a third movie. But like, no studio's willing to sort of guarantee more than that. But Kevin has a lot of security now. But I think he always was was thinking about the future, and it's interesting. You know, we're only speculating here as fans. I think if Comcast had bought the Fox properties, then you'd probably see some X-Men show on Peacock, but who
0: knows? (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And would it be good? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, look, they've done some stuff that's well, but I think it's in the right hands. It's exciting. And, you know, I'm also excited not only to watch the movie. I am excited to watch that Avatar 2 trailer. I know we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but like, yes, it's been a long time. It's been a really long time. Like, is it too late? Did he wait too long to release this thing? I think they
1: waited too. So here's Avatar came out, what, 2009? And it's like highest gross at the time, highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. It was passed by Endgame. And, you know, James Cameron's like, he just hits home runs with. Dude, boss. Yeah. What? Aliens,
0: Terminator, Titanic. and Titanic. Yeah. Uh, True Lies. Avatar. Avatar. I mean, True Lies. I mean, I watched Titanic. I was just on a flight. I rewatched it. That is a brilliant movie. And I was balling on the plane. It's a brilliant movie. And so he's very
1: meticulous and takes a lot of time, too. And I remember they started working on Avatar 2 while I was at Marvel. This is when Marvel was back in Manhattan Beach before they even moved to the Disney lot. (laughs) They were sharing space with us, and they eventually took over the whole studio. But I remember one day there was an elephant on set. And we were like, why? <laughs> why is there an elephant here in Manhattan Beach? And it was like, oh, James Cameron's testing something for Avatar 2. So that think of <laughs> how, how long this thing's how been long,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is kind of crazy because it's not just Avatar 2. They've got plans for Avatar 3, 4, um, and, five, right? and 5. And yeah. it's, here's what I'll say. I think it's kind of cool that now Disney owns Avatar. They're using the platform for Multitude of Madness to preview the exclusive trailer for it. It's it's
1: multiverse,
0: multiverse of madness. Sorry, is I keep saying multitude. Yeah, I mean
1: it's the same thing. (laughs) But yes, it is. It's a multiverse.
0: Here I'm like claiming to be this big fan. I don't even know the fucking name of the movie. Uh, Well, I mean it is a multitude of madness, but it's
1: it's multiverse.
0: (laughs) Multiverse of madness. CinemaCon just had the Avatar 2 trailer come out and the fans apparently were astonished. They were blown away by the effects and something. And that says something. The ability, like I remember when I watched IMAX 3D, I was blown away by the effects. The movie was okay, but like it was a fun movie because it was so like, whoa, this is visually amazing. Since then, we haven't really had anything like that. And can he surprise us again? Like, man, I wouldn't put it past James Cameron. So we'll have to
1: see. I mean, what's gonna surprise us? Like literally if being in a metaverse and <laughs> living through Avatar Two. I don't. I just don't know.
0: But no, no, I, I know it will surprise us. Optimus Prime showing up. <laughs> Optimus Prime alongside
1: Professor Xavier, or maybe <laughs> Professor Xavier dro- driving Optimus Prime, <laughs> would be.
0: You know, because Optimus probably basically drives himself. Uh, oh, my God. That would be the only thing. James Cameron couldn't shock us, but that, that would be the best thing ever. But regardless, I think it's exciting. I can't wait to watch the movie. I'm sure you can't wait to watch it either. And then we get to talk about, okay, who are the characters? When we finally see the movie, we'll see who the characters are, what it sets it up for. And I'm sure we'll have more conversations around that.
1: Yeah, and I'd say that the legal takeaway here is, We may not have dealt with it directly, but these license agreements, and especially when they're exclusive, you really have to be very specific about what's included, what isn't included in terms of the characters, the grant of rights, the term, the territory. You have to be as as clear as day about that, because if it ends up being the most valuable property in all of Hollywood, then people are going to, you know, there's going to be lawsuits or, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money to fix the problem, right? So $50 in the grand scheme of things is probably worth it, but who knows? It's crazy to me that all of Marvel, Disney bought all of Marvel for like four and change billion in 2010. And then,
0: like, what would they pay? What would someone pay for Marvel now? Oh, my God, man. I can't even imagine what that's worth. Crazy, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But it's like, wow. I mean, just again, I mean, what Disney's been able to do with content, you got to give it to them. It's been pretty incredible. And, like, let's see what – who knows? Now the – Possibilities of rides at Disney parks are just endless.
1: Build more parks. You know. we need a we need a Marvel. <laughs> I think Marvel needs its own park, but we'll see. That's another episode for. That's a story for another episode <laughs> for
0: sure. Well, look, man. Thanks for giving us the history lesson here, and excited to watch the movie. That's our show for this week, folks. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen. Hit me up on Twitter at Meshlicani, or feel free to contact us on. BCP at say hiLola.com. This episode is edited and produced by Valentino Rivera, Marco Siler Gonzalez, with assistant producer Justin Sanchez and assistant research producer Haas Nasser. Until next time. Thanks everyone.